Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. If I could get Stevie Wonder live to say, uh, to sing a happy birthday to Leola Brown Montgomery today, oh, how wonderful! I, let me t- I would do it. Uh, this is the best we can do on the Madison show. But well, happy one, so nice. happy one hundred birthday, and then I guess uh, Cheryl Brown Henderson, you're with us also. Are you there? I- I am, Joe. Yes. I am. Thank you so much. Yes. My goodness. If I sound that good at 100 years old, I could continue <laughs> to do this show. Yes, you could. And he would, too. Let me tell you. And my wife, she's looking at me saying I would. You, and I would. I tell you, I really would. Yes, and I feel of, fine. I, don't, I can't believe I'm 100 years old today. Wow. Let, let, you know, let me let me uh, start with uh, and Cheryl. Feel free to to jump in any town. Cheryl Brown Henderson is the founder and president of the Brown Foundation in Topeka, Kansas, uh, which, by the way, works to preserve the ideals that the Reverend Oliver Brown, uh, you know, started. Uh, and Brown versus Board of Education, there's a his, historic site that they started in yes. 1990. Yes. Let me let me start by how much was the was the family involved uh, in 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 the whole Brown versus Board of Education uh, uh, case? Because your daughter Linda Brown was really considered the face of, of, of a Brown versus Board of Education. What kind of impact did it have on the uh, family? And Cheryl and Miss um, uh, Montgomery can both answer this. But let, let's start with uh, <laughs> the mother. Oh, well, of course, she was only six years old, uh, Linda was. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So it uh, kind of all fell on the parents, on mostly my husband, because I was pregnant with Cheryl at that time. And so back in those days, you know, women didn't get out very much when they were pregnant way back there in those days. So he he was the one that took all the brunt, which, for one thing, he really didn't want to do it because <laughs> he was the only man with 12 women. So he didn't want to be on that. But uh, his his friend, Charles Scott, the lawyer, he prevailed on him to say, oh, man, you need to come on and represent. So he, he finally came on and persuaded him to do it, and he was the one. So he went to all the NAACP meetings, and then he would come back and tell me what was going on, and we discussed things like that and how to proceed. So... I was in the background, and 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 were there risks in those days? I mean, were, he obviously was a minister. I don't know if he, was the job was his job threatened. Was the church threatened? No, not at all. We had nothing in Topeka, not one thing in Topeka. We were we were surprised at it. There was no violence at all. So. We were blessed. And Cheryl, do we, what do you think was the reason for that? Is that unique to Topeka? Because Lord knows, after the the decision, there certainly was a backlash. Yeah. Well, yeah, Joe, you're you're right. It was unique to Topeka because um, African Americans in our city, even then, lived in integrated neighborhoods. You live where you could afford to live, so we didn't have the stride and segregation they had in the other cases that were involved in Brown v. Board, and because Dad was um, a welder for the Santa Fe Railroad while he was studying for the ministry, he belonged to a union, you know, even at that time, and worked in an integrated workplace. And then when he became a pastor in 53, while Brown was working its way through the courts, um, his assistant pastor was white in an AME church. And that was, um, again, an integrated setting. His family belonged to the church, so 
Kansas in and of itself was somewhat unique, having not been a slave state. And we didn't escape completely, you know, from mm-hmm. the vestiges of segregation, uh, you know, not being able to eat at lunch counters, not being able to try on yeah. clothing. Uh, some of those things were in place. But for whatever reason, housing was not um, not segregated. And Mother can tell you about how our neighbors who were white, I think four or five black families in the, in the neighborhood, and she grew up even with a, a Russian or German family living next door. But she'll tell you the story about the, the girls next door that befriended my sisters, uh, and they were white. And, and yes. uh, uh, yes, uh, yeah, please Indians tell us of that story. And, uh, and the white people all around us in our neighborhood. My children played with them, and they were in my house with my kids all the time, eating at my table and so forth, and just having a good time and never thought a thing about it. Yeah, and and but but then the but it was the the school system. Yeah, uh, that yes. was that's where the 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 uh, de jure segregation. So pe- de facto was in, in the in this whole thing of de jure versus de facto. Yeah, de, de de facto people socialized. They 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 worked with each other, lived with each other, ate with each other, but then. Yes. The institutions were segregated. Is that accurate? That was it, yes. That, that, right. What happened, Kansas had a the legislature enacted a law back in 1879. It basically said that in the state of Kansas, if you were a first-class city of 15,000 people or more, you could legally segregate your elementary schools only. So the junior highs and high schools were not segregated, always, always. Uh, with the exception of Kansas City where African-American parents asked for a segregated high school because of the racially motivated violence in the integrated high school. But cities like Topeka and Kansas City and Wichita that met that criteria could only segregate their elementary schools. If you were smaller than 15,000, you could not legally segregate schools at any level in Kansas. It's a peculiar uh, structure, I think, judicially. Now you know in Virginia, once Brown versus Board was ruled in a unanimous decision at that time, states responded differently. For example, the Commonwealth of Virginia, they closed many of their public schools and created uh, private schools, particularly religious yeah. dominate. Did they do the same thing in Kansas? No, no, they they did not. And Virginia is one of those cases or examples I always use, especially when talking to college students, to illustrate, you know, how committed uh, the power structure was to hanging on to power and to denying African Americans that opportunity uh, for an education. But that did not happen in Kansas. Hmm. Um, and, and and then let's go back, if I can. But I'm still amazed at how good she sounds at 100. I'm telling you, this is amazing. Um, I like that when I grow up. I'm telling you. Uh, what the thing? What was it like? What when your daughter Linda was finally admitted to the school? What was that like? Well, they that when the decision was handed down in '54, that very next school year, September. Kids went to school. She went to school. There was nothing. Just they integrated, and no fighting or nothing. She was just uh, received in there, and and from there they just went on, just like they had been doing it all the time. And we were amazed. What, yeah, you and remember? Joe, you have to realize that by the time the case was decided, my right. sister was, um, I think, the majority of the plaintiffs in Topeka children were out of elementary school. Started, was starting junior high school, okay. and the junior high schools were already integrated. But still, as Mother said, even at the elementary level, there were no um, examples mm-hmm. of, of racial problems. Now, and and um, and 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 were the was it was not only a question of the student body, but was the was the staff integrated too? That was that uh, was that part of the uh, decision, Cheryl. Yeah, it was, and that's really where things became problematic because the superintendent of Topeka Public Schools sent out a letter in 1953 telling African-American teachers, especially those who were new teachers, three years or fewer, 
that if the plaintiffs were to succeed in Brown v. Board, that they would not have a job. And it was divided in Concord, Joe. You know that. Yeah. And went on to yeah. tell them that the reason was there would not be enough white parents wanting them as teachers mm-hmm. for the district to keep them. Yeah. So in May of 1954, the school board made good on that promise and fired those teachers. And so the people that were teaching then are not, were not happy about Brown v. Board. So everyone needs to understand that the black community was not uh, in agreement. They were not unified because they were concerned about losing jobs for teachers and losing their treasured segregated schools. These were excellent schools, Joe. African-American teachers held more advanced degrees than the white teachers. You know, it's just like in Washington, D.C., Dunbar High School. Uh, mm-hmm. It was probably one of the they had some of the most uh, educated professors because and and many of the teachers had doctorate degrees and because they couldn't get jobs in the universities. I assume that was what you're referring to in Topeka. Absolutely, and, and mother and my sisters talk about how amazing what their experiences were like. You know, and I was envious, really, Joe, because I didn't have that experience. So. Mommy, want to comment about what it was like going to school with those amazing teachers? Oh, we went to school with those teachers. And, and of course, they lived in our neighborhood. We saw them every day, not only uh, uh, and on Sunday in the churches. We would see our teachers. They were right there. And I lived in our neighborhood. So it was a wonderful thing. And they were intent on your learning in the school. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they did all they could and to see that we were prepared when we went over and went into the junior high school with the others, we were, we were, we were ready. Yeah, yeah. They, I, they you made know, you learn. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying this, and I always tell the story <laughs> in growing up in Dayton. The same thing. My fifth grade teacher lived across the in the in, in the house we lived the alley, and 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 when <laughs> and when uh, Mrs. Redmond was her name. And when I would see my grandmother go outside and Mrs. Redmond would come out aside maybe to, you know, empty the trash or something, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they start talking, I said, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way it was here today. You see them in the church on Sundays, and, and you couldn't oh, get away. Some of the kids were fussing. We can't never get rid of them teachers. <laughs> but you can't get away with anything either, because if you oh, acted, amen. If you, yes, yes, yes. If you acted up, but Mrs. Redmond would say, "Mrs. Stone, uh, you know, you got jo- Joseph. He's okay, but uh, the other day, and I'm going, oh my God, you know. But but now, but but you know, uh, no, but Cheryl, right. yes, but but Cheryl, you know, this is the argument that one has about integration versus segregation and i've always said that segregation is a legal term because what was segregated correct me if i'm wrong is was power resources and responsibility that's what is that not what was really that's what the case was all about wasn't it it was i i agree with you and that was very well said because even thurgood marshall in the book that Juan Williams wrote, you know, Thurgood Marshall, American Revolutionary, he talks about in those interviews with Juan that Brown v. Board was not about sitting next to white children. It was about exactly what you said, that the resources were following the white children. You know, the, the quality education followed white children. And, you know, sadly, the pushback to Brown was relentless. And even today, we're seeing the same kind of pushback with people trying to escape uh, equal opportunity for African-American and, and other children of color. His uh, Hispanic, Latino children had those experiences as well. And Mendez versus Westminster before Brown v. Board about Mexican children in segregated schools. So, you know, the, the majority community in our country has continued to almost um, hold the better opportunities for themselves and their families. And and so when we look, I, I, I'm looking now at a new report. I think this was 2019. You may have referred to it that school school segregation is actually getting worse than it was 65 years ago. Uh, your response to uh, both, if you don't mind, your, both of your responses, Cheryl, your response first. Yeah, I mean, I I don't contend that it's getting worse because in my view. 
you know, what Brown attempted to do in the way of having diverse classrooms really never happened, you know, in a major way. I mean, you go back and you can only quantify uh, a few hundred school districts that immediately complied. But once the United States Congress, you know, issued that infamous Southern Manifesto, basically saying that the Supreme Court had engaged in judicial overreach and that Southern schools in particular needn't worry, and if they were intending to defy Brown v. Board, that, you know, those hundred elected officials in Congress had their back. So that message was loud and clear. And sadly, you know, I think that's what began the defiance of uh, equal educational opportunity that we see even today. So I don't necessarily buy into the idea that they're worse. I do believe that if you go back, it it never happened in any meaningful and substantive way. Ms. Montgomery, your response? Well, I agree with Cheryl. That's that's just about it. I don't think, Mm -hmm. to my knowledge, that it got worse. I don't think it got worse, Mm -hmm. but it was just... but it's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me let me com- uh, close couple, for two ways, if you don't mind. First of all, all right. what do you what what are your plans for your one hundredth birthday today? <laughs> well, all of the family's coming over to my house, and they're having a big cookout for one thing. <laughs> I'm going to go outside and all gather and cook whatever, and just enjoy one another. And be together. And and I would Saturday. be remiss if I Saturday. did not. We, you know, it's funny. We just did a. Uh, I just did a segment where I asked uh, the 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 audience, particularly the men in my audience, do you ever give your the mother your, your wife the mother of your children a Mother's Day gift? You'd be amazed at how many men called in and said they didn't because they weren't <laughs> their mother. Uh, but I'm going to say this to you as the mother of Brown versus Board of Education. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, well, uh, bless you. And happy, I'm, I'm enjoying every minute Day. of it thus far. <laughs> oh, no. We, it is, it is, it, yes, Cheryl. Tomorrow we're having a public birthday celebration yeah. at the church. Oh, the drive okay. The drive in, the, in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so everybody will be masked up, of course, I, I imagine. But well, they'll be in their cars. Yeah, the we'll car. be Oh, okay, okay, the good. Yeah. Well, may I also I, add, though, Joe, that yesterday yeah. she received an amazing note from uh, President and uh, Mrs. Obama. So we were very oh, pleased by that. Wow. We were there with them uh, last May. No, 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 2014. Oh, 20, in 2014. We were in there. 2014. Wow, that's, that's great. That is absolutely <laughs> Well, you've, you've done, let me tell you, this is the highlight of, uh, of, of, of my career. I, I can't, well, I, you know, you I, worked, so I worked for, goodness. yeah, I worked for years. I was on the board of the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the people that you and your husband knew when I came in as a very young executive and, and then eventually board member, many of those men and women, for that matter, we forget about the women who yes. were involved, um, were mentors. Yes. And um, to be able to actually uh, speak uh, to, to you and Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl, a little bit about the foundation as we wrap up, please. Well, thank you for asking, Joe. We are, um, you know, our mission overarching is to be a living tribute to the attorneys, the community organizers, and the plaintiffs in Brown v. Board of Education, the hundreds of people that did the heavy lifting to make it possible for, you know, Joe Madison to have a national radio show and for, you know, Joe Brown Henderson to travel and stay at any hotel. You know, we want to make sure those people are never forgotten. We have a new book out, the foundation does. So it's not a for-profit endeavor, but it's called Recovering Untold Stories, The Enduring Legacy of Brown v. Board. And it's a collection of essays written by people from all five of the cases in Delaware, Kansas, Virginia, Washington, D.C., South Carolina. So go to our website, brownvboard.org, and you can read the book online, or you can order a hard copy. But we're proud of that because we want all the voices to be heard and all the sacrifice to be known uh, of the plaintiffs in those five cases. Yeah, and and you know it's ironic that, that uh, you know whose birthday it is today. Also, 
no. we, Attorney William Ming. Really? Yes. Yeah. Who were one of the architects of legal strategy in Brown versus? Yeah. Eaton. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You share. You actually share. You share his birthday. Today is William Robert Means' birthday. He's born. All right. In, well, in, my goodness. In 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 Chicago. So the mm-hmm. two of you uh, uh, have shared the same birthday. Thank you. May well, 7th is a special day. Huh? Yeah, May 7th. Thank you so much. Enjoy this 100th birthday. Thank you for taking the time well, and, uh, wonderful, and, and sharing the history. Yes, indeed. All bless right. you all. Thank bless you so you much. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> but it's Mother's Day, and Jennifer Whitson, <laughs> before I get, happy Mother's Day <laughs> to you, well, by the way. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Uh, I guess we could say the mother of uh, Sirius XM is the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like a family. I've been yeah, here well, 19 years. 19 years. So they, we should yeah. point out that um, uh, it's been how long now as the CEO of uh, uh, Sirius this, this XM? January. This, January. you know, you, mm-hmm. you know you're part of a, a, a long tradition that goes back to the XM days and when the CEOs we would invite to come on the Madison show. And they all, they, they like you, they come on and they take questions and we're having honest conversation. And so I appreciate you keeping the tradition going. What has it been like, though, having to navigate Sirius XM through this pandemic that we are experiencing? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Joe, and continuing the tradition. I'm happy to be here. Uh, It's uh, it's definitely been challenging, uh, as you know. I think uh, I'm incredibly proud of how our employees have adapted in the face of so many challenges over the past 12 to 15 months, and it has truly been such an unprecedented time for, you know, our employees and and you know the citizens of our country and the world and uh, I know you Jim know Jim Meyer well uh, he was our CEO through last year and he made sure from the start that our employees safety was our number one priority and that continues to remain true for me as well I mean I think you and the rest of our talented programming team uh, never missed a beat you know you continue to bring great content to all of our listeners remotely. And, you know, at a time with so much uncertainty, it was really critical that, you know, we and you could provide that stability for our subscribers and listeners. And I know you've heard that from them. We had just a lot of radical change with our customer care team, um, but they continue to take care of our customers during this time. And, you know, the vast majority of our employees have been working from home since last March. And, you know, we now all live on Zoom, uh, it seems, but, you know, we're slowly, hopefully, getting to a place where we can start bringing people back, I think, into our offices uh, in the fall. And, you know, I think a lot of people are, are looking forward to that and being able to collaborate in person again. Um, so from, you know, from an employee standpoint and you know, our content on the air, I couldn't be more proud of where where what we've done over you know the last year and we also had a really strong year financially which i think is you know again a testament to how focused the team has been on continuing to deliver results despite all the adversity you know they've faced in in this in this business uh, i i have heard all all my career um content is king content really matters i i it, it, you would agree with that that, that uh, statement? Absolutely. It's been core to, you know, the service that we've provided to our customers ever since day one. I, I so, think, you know, especially mm-hmm. the the broad set of content that we offer, you know, across music, talk, news, sports, entertainment, and, you know, you've just seen this tremendous rise in uh, interest in talk content in particular, and you know, the, even some shift from music to talk, I think, over the last few years. And you know, we've just been, I think, really well positioned to take advantage of that. And our, our customers are uh, incredibly passionate about the broad set of content that we offer, um, you know, really across the spectrum. You know, if, 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 I, if I landed from Mars and, and then 
turned on whatever device I had. And boy, I go back to the days, you probably remember this, when XM first started or Sirius first started. Remember you, you remember those days, Jennifer, you had to have special oh, equipment in your automobile? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It, have, it's changed a lot since then. It it, it 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 has. So if I landed from Mars and 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 heard a serious somebody talk serious XM about serious XM or heard serious XM, how would you describe serious XM? I mean, and I have this question all the time. People, what's the difference between regular radio and and satellite radio, and what is Sirius XM? Well, as you said, I mean, 20 years ago, Sirius and XM, you know, were separate uh, back then, and the services started as satellite radio focused on the car and listening in the car, and, you know, since then, we have evolved into a full audio entertainment service where you can listen to an incredibly wide variety of your favorite music, talk, news, sports, entertainment, comedy content, you know, whether it's live or on demand at your convenience. And now you can listen anywhere, in your car, through our satellite radios, uh, in your home on connected devices, or on, you know, your mobile phone. So the service has evolved tremendously to take advantage of, you know, really any place anyone wants to listen uh, and we continue to focus on helping our customers understand that all this great content that you're used to listening to in the car, you can listen to anywhere. So you know, your show, you can listen to live uh, you know, every morning, or if you can't be available to listen in the morning, you can listen later in the day on our apps or on connected devices. So it's uh, really an opportunity to provide this great audio content that we offer uh, anywhere and any place anyone wants to listen. So what, what now? Now is is it fair to say that SiriusXM is now a conglomerate? If I'm using that term correctly, with a uh, Harvard Business School grad and the University of Pennsylvania <laughs> grad, uh, because you you have you know you're no longer just SiriusXM. Yes, we do have a portfolio of brands. Uh, you know, SiriusXM is our premium subscription service offering this curated live and exclusive audio bundle of content. Uh, Pandora uh, offers a free service and paid subscriptions for both personalized music and podcasts. We are the largest uh, free digital music audio platform in the United States. And we bought Stitcher uh, last fall, which... What is Stitcher? um, so on Stitcher, you can listen to popular podcasts such as Freakonomics, uh, My Favorite Murder, Super Soul Conversations, and many others on the Stitcher app, uh, but also anywhere you listen to podcasts. So we broadly distribute uh, podcast content. As you probably know, uh, most podcasts are widely available across um, several different platforms, including SiriusXM and Pandora. And we, you know, we love the Stitcher content and, you know, what the team has been able to build there. Uh, and we've been adding additional podcast content since then, whether it's from you know, talent that we've long worked with, like Kevin Hart, who launched uh, Comedy Gold Mines with us recently, or, you know, the, through the acquisition of 99% Invisible, uh, you know, we are now working with Roman Mars and his team very closely we just announced that acquisition uh, last month, and you know they'll continue to produce and develop great content for us, um, you know under the 99% Invisible banner. So, so we really have a broad set of audio entertainment properties um, that allow us to reach customers in multiple ways. And now with our, you know, with SiriusXM and all of our other properties, we reach you know over 150 million listeners across North America. Wait, so we, we're now talking 150 million. I would suspect, again, that that's probably one of the largest broadcast entities, well, I would think in the country and maybe globally. Yeah, I think you certainly in North America, uh, we believe we have the broadest reach across, you know, it's, it's both the properties that we own 
and where we're distributing uh, content you know, through third-party platforms as well. And it's important because we reach listeners across all of these platforms, and we also have a really strong relationship with creators to enable them to be able to earn revenue, right, and monetize mm -hmm. their content more broadly. And, of course, you know, with SiriusXM, we can do that in a you know, closed, exclusive environment through subscription revenue. But off-platform, we, if we distribute much more broadly across all these other third-party platforms, um, you can scale your audience much larger as a creator, and we help monetize through advertising revenue. You know, I uh, one of the things uh, our, 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 my good friend uh, Scott Greenstein always talks about when people call, particularly in talk radio, because, but I imagine you hear complaints um, on all the formats. I mean, they, you know, folks may not like this music being played or that music or whatever. But I remember him once saying in a meeting, you know, that Sirius XM is like a, he, he equated it to like a, a bookstore and, and that you go in and there are different sections, the history section, the biography section, the children's section, uh, which, by the way, I got to tell you, ha, ha, we're, we're taking care of our grandchildren here out on the West Coast, so we're up at two in the morning, make sure folks get oh a live goodness. show. Well, we, you know, we, it was either that or, well, we don't know. We, no we, alternative. No alternative. But one of the, I, yeah, they're, I'm laughing. they're not really old enough to take care of themselves yet, yet I Thank guess. you. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things we, we do is our, and we, we turn to the kids' channel. Now, this is going to sound strange coming from me because Lord knows I'm a talk radio junkie and love it, live it. I, I love the kids' channel. I I yeah. just I get a big kick out of the uh, out of the uh, kids' channel. I'm thinking about stealing some of their material because it, it is. They are. I mean, it. it I just I, I just wanted to say that. But Scott always said, "You if, if look if you don't like this or you don't like that, you've got so many channels, so many options. It's like going into a bookstore. Just go to another section. You would agree." Absolutely. I, I think that is one of the really unique, uh, really offerings that we have is, you know, we offer really balanced and diverse news, talk, entertainment, really across the board, music, anything uh, that a listener could want. And I, it's something we absolutely want to preserve. You know, we provide great forums for conversation, you know, where ideas are exchanged, discussions, respect, you know, respectable debate. Uh, I, I think we're very committed to investing in our talk programming where we do provide, you know, this diverse set of voices, but it exists across, uh, you know, the political spectrum, news, entertainment, comedy, and you really do have such a broad set of choices. You can choose to listen to what resonates most with you as a, as a listener. So your biggest challenge right now, your biggest challenge as the uh, newly minted CEO of SiriusXM is what? One of the things I'm very focused on is, and I mentioned this before, is ensuring that our subscribers at SiriusXM know that all of this great content, you know, that we've talked about uh, is available outside of the car. We've been known as this in-car radio brand for so long. And you know, that, you know, your point about this breadth of content that we have, it's difficult in the car. I mean, people are still, you know, turning the channel or, you know, tuning up or down. And we have a, a great evolution of our platform in the car coming with our next generation audio platform called 360L uh, that's rolling out now where customers will be able to get much more personalized content. because it, it combines that satellite delivery that we've had all along, which is one-way broadcast, with streaming delivery in the car. And that allows us to provide, again, much more personalized one-to-one -one content and recommendations. Uh, so we really can offer... A, a even wider breadth of content. So what's really critical is that we provide that uh, capability to discover and recommend content that's relevant to you in mm -hmm. the car. But as that rolls out, all virtually all of our subscribers now can you know, download the app and listen on their phones or through their connected devices at home. 
And you may find that you want to listen to you know, Joe Madison live on your commute to the office in the morning, but that when you're at home, you want to listen to some of our great music content on your connected devices, you know, as a family or the kids channel, right? Or mm-hmm. we just launched Disney Hits channel as well with all the Disney music, which is another great kids channel. I think we have just such a broad set of content that appeals to listeners in many different places. So so my objective is to continue to build that engagement outside of the car, whether it's for our current subscribers and listeners or even getting mm-hmm. new subscribers and listeners who, you know, may not have a car or may not, you know, need to listen in a car. Right, right, right. And 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 um you know, I I, I have here from <clears throat> and Radio Inc. by the way, uh Jennifer Witz is our new our CEO who's with us and keeping this long tradition on the Madison show going of having our CEOs talk with you. And and that is, uh, this just came across, I guess this was yesterday, yeah. Um, your response, if you don't mind, uh, Jacobs Media, with, it says here, with an assist from Veritone, presented its annual tech survey Thursday afternoon, which takes a look at trends in mobile, social, and connected car spaces. 58% of the respondents, 58% of respondents listen to AM, FM radio in their car with Sirius XM a distant second with 18% and personal music third at 9%. Now, I'm a very competitive person. I do not (laughs) like being second, (laughs) so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, it, it, I don't either. <laughs> okay, so we're we're together on that. So what? So this is interesting. Um, AM FM is still a basic a, a main competitor of of, of Sirius XM. Yes, it's our number one competitor in the car by far. Okay. Uh, you know, many people don't want to pay, and AM FM is the best free option in the car. Right. I, yeah, I think there are some things we can do over time to offer a free service in the car. Uh, but right now we are focused on delivering the best content we can in a premium environment, which you know means that customers need to pay. And uh, it's, uh, it's always going to put us probably in a, in a second position because of that, uh, because you know fundamentally many people are uh, drawn to the free service. But that is, that is the competition we're up against, and we con- are continually adding more content and features uh, to our product to uh, to maintain our premium positioning and encourage people to pay for our great service. Yeah, well, Jennifer, it's the old adage: uh, you get what you pay for. And I you, agree. <laughs> and if you want, you get what you pay for. If you want qual, I, I am I'm with you 100 percent on that. Um, and and I thank you so much for taking the time to respond to these questions and explaining uh, to people where we are, where we're going. Uh, we've come a long way from, I, I remember when it was just truck drivers, just truck drivers. I mean, they were the biggest audience. And uh, yeah. like you said, now you can be, I, we get callers who say, I'm exercising, I'm on the treadmill, I'm walking. Um, they don't have to be. They don't have to be in their cars. So, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Now let me let me ask this. I know uh, now. I, I, I can. I, you know, we bumped a few uh, spots. Are you willing to take calls? I don't want to keep. Sure, you from... I'd be happy to. Okay. All right. Well, let's do this then. Uh, my producer said, "Let me. I got some. Let me get, open up the lines. If you have a question right now uh, for Jennifer Witz." Our C, uh, the CEO of Sirius XM, um, and and let me tell you, she says, "Look, give, let's do it." One, here's the phone number: one eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Any question that uh, that you might have, uh, that it's not too often you get to talk directly to the CEO of Sirius XM, and we're making this opportunity uh, available uh, 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 to you. So. Uh, again, here's the number one eight six six eight zero one talk, and the lines are open. And uh, 
and, and ready, and here come the calls. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. While the calls are, are, coming, are, are coming in, uh, you mentioned about the financial position that SiriusXM is, and you said it looks, it looks really good. And, and again, uh, you want to just expound on that before I go to the calls? Sure. We had a really strong year last year, uh, again, despite uh, a lot of uncertainty about how, you know, the economy and, you know, the pandemic uh, might impact uh, our company and, and audio in general. Uh, and going into this year, uh, we feel really good about where we landed in the first quarter. We had you know, one of our big metrics is uh, new trial starts across automotive since, you know, the core of our business is in the car. And we had just a record quarter in terms of trial starts, which means more subscribers later in the year. Uh, we also had a record quarter on churn, which is a really important metric for us to watch uh, as it indicates, kind of, you know, demand and retention of our subscribers for our service. Uh, at 1.6%, which uh, really is at the low end of what we've seen um, in in many years. Uh, you know, from a financial standpoint, we have really strong profitability. We've had uh, good revenue growth across subscription and advertising. Advertising is becoming a more important part of our overall revenue. You know, it's still uh, much less on the subscription side of our business, but it continues to grow. And so, you know, from a what we call EBITDA and free cash flow standpoint, um, you know, we expect to have a really strong year uh, continuing to deliver our goals there. And that enables us to either return capital to shareholders through, you know, share repurchases and dividends or continue to invest in the business where we see opportunities. And that can be either organic or through acquisitions. All right, let's do this. Uh, boy, the lines just lit up. All right, uh, Nina Georgia, who is, uh, and, and if you've listened to the show, you know we always salute our first-time callers. She is a first-time caller. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Nina. You're on with uh, the CEO of SiriusXM, Jennifer Witts. Good morning, Mr. Madison. Good morning, Ms. Witts. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. I would like to know, I have a podcast in the making, and I would like to know how, well, not the whole deep step-by-step, but what is the first step or avenue for proposing uh, content for your platform? And the second part is how does um, a person generate revenue through advertising if they did get a podcast um, put up on your platform? How do you monetize it? Okay, thank you. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Sure. Thank you, Nina. I, so we're happy to take ideas. I, I think we'll have to come back to you with exactly the right submission process. I don't know that offhand, but uh, we are continuing to develop and take uh, you know many third-party ideas for podcasts. I, the, the key, as you said, is how do we help creators and podcasters like yourself I, make money right, and monetize it? And through our, we have a number of tools uh, and uh, and resources to be able to distribute a podcast. So uh, once we've determined that you know there can be a real audience, um, you know obviously that audience may build over time, but uh, then we can help distribute the podcast across uh, our platforms, whether it be Stitcher, SiriusXM, and Pandora, but also other platforms as well, including. Apple and many others. So uh, that, you know, distribution um, and, you know, the hosting of that podcast and all of the sort of analytics around that help us match advertisers with the content on your podcast. And, you know, that enables us to, you know, deliver really solutions for creators, but also for advertisers who are looking for that right opportunity to reach the audience based on the the content you're delivering. So it's really, you know, it's a fascinating part of the audio business. It's been around, you know, podcasting for many years, but really over the last few years, it's 
gained a lot of attention and it's exciting because it is an easy way I think I mean I know it feels probably like there are hurdles but there but it really is a, a fairly easy way for um, content creators to start getting their you know creations out there in front of audiences and so you know whereas you know, back in the day, right, Joe, with radio, it was really you had to find the platform. You had to yep. Yep. Uh, have somebody pick you up and really support you. And here uh, there's a lot more uh, okay. opportunity, I think, for creators. Uh, Lewis from North Carolina, go ahead. Your, your question for Jennifer Woods. Hey, how y'all doing? My okay, question Lewis. is, have you, have you ever considered adding what I call Southern Soul or Party Blues uh, platform to uh, SiriusXM? We have, from a music standpoint. Yeah, I think Southern Soul is yeah. a is sort of a, a a genre that's very popular. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have we have actually some podcast content focused on that as well. But I think from a music standpoint on SiriusXM, you know, the great thing is because and we've talked a bit about this because we. You know, we're all, we in the past were only satellite delivered. We had a limited amount of bandwidth, so we could only offer so many channels uh, to our subscribers, and that you know necessarily limits how much diversity we can have. Uh, but now that we are a much broader um, distribution, you know, pipe, given that we have streaming also available in the car and obviously outside of the car, uh, we are expanding our, you know, genres, um, you know, very quickly into other music um, genres. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's a, a great idea. And I'm, you know, meeting with our music programming head, uh, you know, later today, in fact, so I can uh, bring it up to him and we will consider it. Okay. Thank you. There you go. Good timing, uh, Lewis. Good timing. Uh, Shakir, New Jersey, first time caller, uh, on with Jennifer. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Shakir? Uh, good morning, good morning, Mr. Madison. Good morning. Um, uh, it's the month of Ramadan, so I got a question. Well, how would uh, it be available for uh, any Muslim talk space on Sirius XM? Like, would it, would it be through a religious channel or... Like, how, how would that go? Yes, I think, you know, much like with, um, you know, Lewis and the other caller, I think you know, the idea is that now with greater opportunities to provide more content to our subscribers and listeners and across, you know, whether it's paid or free, right, because we have this massive distribution across, um, you know, both types of listening uh, opportunities, we can expand the you know, types of content that we offer. And it's really just about the balance of um, you know, how do we reach audiences and make sure that customers know all the great content that we have on air and we can bring more and more uh, diversity to our, uh, to our platforms, I think, across diverse voices, right? So I think that's something that uh, you know, we have been very focused on, I'm definitely passionate about, and, you know, we just, it's, you know, having enough people focus on these different areas, and, and that's uh, a mm. really important part of what we are offering to our listener base. Yeah, I, re I remember the days when uh, we used to get bumped, on, particularly on weekends, uh, because you just didn't have mm -hmm. as many channels, and, and, and now that, 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 that situation doesn't exist. Uh, Dave from New Mexico. Dave, your com your question for Jennifer Witz. Go ahead. Yes, thank you, Mr. Madison, and uh, for those of you, uh, Miss uh, Miss Miss uh, Miss Witz, I believe it is. Yes, Jennifer yeah. Witz. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I was curious. I had even sent the, you know, after receiving service from um, your your customer care section, I was curious. Uh, why don't you guys offer more? Uh, more contemporary uh, jazz, more modern jazz. And this has been something that I have been crying for for quite some time now. I mean, originally you had it uh, when uh, way back when XM for, was first initiated. And um, let's see, also like with the Weather Channel and with the African Channel as well. 
Okay, so let's curious, get a response. You never okay. you know, plan to implement these in the future. Okay. I, this is so exciting. There's so many great content ideas, um, and uh, and I'm I'm glad I'm you know meeting with the programming team regularly. I it is it is a great idea, and I I know in the past we've had to often uh, take channels down to support new channel launches, and we're always balancing those decisions about how we can provide you know the best content to our listeners, and it's tricky um, because we have such passion around all of our channels. Uh, but again, I, now that we have, you know, much broader um, opportunity to distribute content, uh, we can do any number of these things, you know, more jazz, uh, more weather channels, um, more unique channels uh, focused on different communities, including, you know, Muslims or um, other uh, black-oriented stations. I think that this is a great chance for us to uh, consider these different opportunities, and then it's really going to be about how do we make sure you know customers know that this content exists, and how can we either serve it up in a way that you know leverages some of the data we have about what people enjoy. Something like you know you listen to this, maybe you would like that. You see that in our apps quite a bit, but it's very hard to accomplish in the car until we um, you know have continued this rollout of 360L. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I definitely think we have a lot more opportunities to uh, to provide a broad set of content that appeals to an even broader set of listeners, and that will help us, Joe, take more share from AMFM. All right. Thank you. Well, let, let's do this. I only have 45 seconds left, and I'm going to tell you, Jennifer, every line is full. Every line from... Florida to North Carolina to Georgia, New Jersey, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and we. So I, I you, we just gonna have to, you just gonna have to come back. I hope we can get you back on. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Thank you so much, Joe. And thank you. And once again, Happy Mother's Day. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You can listen to yours truly, Madison the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.